So uh, I'm going to keep in the Old Testament. I've been t- we were talking about David for a while. Now I'm going to move uh, to Moses, and we're going to look at some aspects of Moses that are, again, we can find we can find ourselves in these characters in these people. Um, we can see our Dave. We can see we have a little bit of David in us, right? We have a little bit of we. Some of us got a lot of Adam in us, you know. Uh, put some clothes on and uh, go to the beach. You got, you got Adam, Adam, Eve, put some clothes on, beach. It's like you go to the beach, it's like everyone, like you feel you have, this is like, I, I can be almost naked at the beach. It's okay, it's okay, really? Anyway. You ask my girls, do they have two-piece bathing suits, Gwen, do you? No. Do not. It's my own personal family thing. Leave me alone. Do you want to have your kids do that? That's fine. They won't be dating my kids when they're old enough. Anyway, so Moses is such a cool story because this was a dude who was literally just like almost... God just picked him up and said, you're going to be my deliverer of my people. Like, out of the blue, almost. I mean, to Moses, and he was like, bam. So we, we, know, we know the story. He was called to, be, uh, to lead God's people out of slavery, out of captivity, out of Egypt, into the promised land. He was like, you're the one. Moses says, I'm, I can't even talk. I can't, which is probably not true. He probably could talk very well. So God says, that's all right. I'm going to give you an Aaron. I'm going to give you someone that can speak. So it, it, this is great. So you know the story. He goes, right? You've seen the movie. He goes into Pharaoh and says, let my people go. And then Pharaoh goes, because you are even telling me this, I'm going to make the people work harder. So then he, even more in captivity and more slaves and make, work them harder, work them harder, work them harder. That kind of backfired. Moses must be like, this is backfiring God. And he goes back, and then, of course, the plagues and the toad, you know, the frogs and the locusts and, you know, all this stuff, whatever, right? Eventually, Moses leads God's people out of captivity into the wilderness. A lot of times when God delivers you from something, he takes you into a wilderness experience. Now, however, you stay there as long as you want many times. The Israelites should have never been in the wilderness for 40 years, ever. It should have never been 40 years. But they chose to. Why? Because of their grumbling and complaining and bickering and all this stuff. And even through the midst of it, God was with them. So now we're going to pick up in Numbers chapter 20. Um... So, well, 20 verse 8 in a second here. So what happens is, um, just I'm going to fast forward. There is a drought. They're lacking water. They, they're, there's a drought in the land. It's kind of like Vegas right now. They say we have a drought, but we are prophesying rain. And we are prophesying. We, we don't like, I don't like doom and gloom kind of scenarios. It makes good, it makes good TV and movie, but in real life it's kind of like, I'm typically much more positive about the world than other some people. I don't think America is going to hell in a handbasket quite yet. I think I, I look at 
I see the hope and I see, I see God's people rising up. And so, and, and here's the deal. Look at history. Everything's cyclical. I mean, come on, things go up and down. And so let's just, let's just take a stand where we're, God planted us. Hold the line, people. Hold the line. Don't back down if there's something that you shouldn't be backed down from. So anyway, um, what, what, I don't know why I was saying that. Why was I even saying that? Anyway, there was a drought. Thank you. There was a drought. And so, so God, uh, God, you know, Moses is the leader. He's the, he's, the, he's the president. He's the king. He's the prophet. He's the priest. He's the pastor. He's everything. This is, he's leading the people. They listen to him. I mean, he has been up, you know, with God on a mountain. Couldn't see God's face. Remember that story? Couldn't see God's face because he said, if you see my face, he will die. So God, he hides in the cleft of a rock and God shields his eyes. He turns his back and Moses sees the back of God, almost kills him, comes down just like this, this the glow. I mean, Moses has, has experienced some great things, you know, carrying the tablets down from God. I, I, did, I saw God's back and look at me and here's the law. But anyway. So now we get to the point where he, they've, been, they've been there for decades and they're, they're in the wilderness and they're, they're looking to Moses and they're grumbling and they're like, we have no water. And so here's what God says. Verse 8. Take, take the rod and you and your brother Aaron assemble the congregation and speak to the rock before their eyes. And it will yield its water. Speak to them. Speak to the rock. It will yield its water. You shall thus bring forth water for them out of the rock and let the congregation and their beasts drink. Let the animals drink as well. I mean, everybody was thirsty. Even the cats and dogs. You ever seen a dog that's thirsty? Man, that tongue is just... They were thirsty. So here's verse 9. This is the, this is the command of God. Speak to the rock. Take the rod, speak to the rock, and then all of a sudden water will come forth. So verse 9, Moses took the rod from before the Lord, just as he commanded him. I like one, one version says, Moses took the rod from the presence of God. And Moses and Aaron gathered the assembly before the rock and said to them, Listen now, you rebels! Shall we bring forth water for you out of this rock? See what he's doing? He's upset. He's angry. He is tired of his people complaining. Amen. <laughs> he is tired of it. And I don't blame him. He's tired of it. So God says, speak to the rock. God never said, speak to the people. He didn't say, dress the people. When God says to do something, just do it exactly like he says, period. I told you, I've told you many times, when you're writing a gift, and offering, do exactly what God says. Don't do one penny more, one penny less. He's not looking for your sacrifice. Oh, I'm going to give more than you said, God. No, he's looking for obedience. He's not looking for anything but obedience. All right. 
So he says, listen now, you stinking rebels. Shall we bring forth water for you out of this rock? As in, I'm going to do this for you. Look what I will do. I will do this for you, you complainers. Then it says, Moses lifted up his hand and struck the rock with twice with his rod. Probably louder than that. And water came forth abundantly, and the congregation and their animals drank. But the Lord said to Moses and Aaron, because you have not believed me to treat me as holy in the sight of the sons of Israel, therefore you shall not bring this assembly into the land which I have given them. That seems really harsh. I told you, Moses, what to do. And you disobeyed me. But it's not your disobedience that's going to keep you from leading the assembly. It's your lack of trust. You did not trust my word. I submit that we have a ton of believers in this country who do not trust the fullness of who God says he is. And when you don't trust in who God is, you will not see the destiny of that God is trying to take you because you won't believe you can get there. Doubt is what causes a move of God to cease in your life. It ain't, don't blame the devil. Stop it. You start blaming the devil, you're giving him authority. Stop it. He is under your feet. And that's all I want to talk about him right now. Remember, what you focus on manifests. You start focusing on demons, guess what? No. We focus on who? Jesus. So, this story gets even more wild. Obviously, there's something in the heart of Moses that was revealed in that moment. Remember when God called him, he said, I can't do it. I can't do it. No, I don't want to. I can't do it. There was a lack of trust from day one in who God was. Now, listen, not to disparage Moses. Moses is in the hall of faith, right? I mean, uh, Hebrews 11, the faith chapter, he's all through it. Faith, faith, faith. Um, I mean, let me see here. Let's see. Let's read it. Uh, Hebrews 11, because it'll give you some perspective. Um, this is talking about Moses. By faith, this is verse 30, uh, 23 and 11. By faith, Moses, when he was born, was hidden for three months by his parents. By faith, Moses, when he had grown up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. By faith he left Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the king, for he endured as seeing who was unseen, God. By faith he kept the Passover and sprinkling of the blood. By faith he passed through the Red Sea. This is a monster in the faith. Yet in a moment of doubt, God says, you will not take my people into the promised land. Can faith and doubt coexist? You better believe it. This is why you need faith. Listen, courage 
isn't the absence of fear. Courage is coming and looking at fear and saying, I'm going anyway. You don't need courage if you don't have fear. That's why God says, be courageous. He knows that's, there's going to be a point when you're going to want to be afraid. He says, no, no, be courageous in that moment. I'm telling you, trust and obedience in God is so key. We get presumptuous in our faith sometimes, don't we? Um, my, one of my great friends, Jamie Montero, you guys remember Jamie was here. Uh, he's been here before. He, tell, he tells this story about he was traveling to preach at a conference. And because um, he travels, uh, especially in the summer, he does all conferences, youth, youth camps and youth conferences all across the nation. And he says he's 35,000 feet in the air. He's sitting there. He's getting ready. And he's getting his mind praying. And all of a sudden, this thing drops. And he's going to this conference to preach. All of a sudden, this, this, the Lord drops in his spirit. And he says, I didn't tell you to go preach at this conference. It's like, what? He said, you didn't ask me. You weren't supposed to go. Jamie is starting to go, oh, I'm 35,000 feet up. Oh, my gosh. God's taking this plane down, right, because of my disobedience. I mean, he's like, oh, Lord, forgive me. He says, I go through every forgiveness. You know, God, forgive me of everything. He realized in that moment he was in disobedience. Why? Now, God blessed him. He had a great conference, but he learned something that day. And we sometimes operate out of presumptuous faith God is not looking for presumptuous faith. He's looking for a heart filled with obedience. And so this story gets even more wild. So God says, I'm sorry, you can't take the assembly. And, and so, okay. Read a few scriptures later. The Lord tells Moses, I want you to go up to this mountain. And, and you're going to die on that mountain. Why? <laughs> he's 120 years old. He's, he, it says his eyes are still good. He can still do his thing. He's not like an old, decrepit, 120-year-old. And God says, you're going to go to this mountain, on the top of this mountain, and you're going to die. And Joshua, my servant, will lead the people into the promised land. So Moses goes to the mountain. He blesses bunch of people he goes to the mountain and he stands up there and he did all his things and he's just could you imagine this picture this is like this is true this is like reality this is true he stands there one moment he's alive a pretty robust 120 year old and the next moment he's dead we don't have any narrative of how he died. He was there one minute, and the next minute he was dead. And this is so amazing to me. I'm going to read it, because what happens next is just incredible. So it says he's on the top of the mountain. This is Deuteronomy 34, verse 5. He's on the top of the mountain. He gets to the top of the mountain. The Lord says to him, this is the land which I swore to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, saying, I will give it to your descendants. I have let you see it. 
with your eyes, but you shall not go over there. This is actually not the cruelty of God. This is the, the grace of God. He says, You're, you can't go because of you didn't trust me, but I love you enough. I'm going to let you see it. It's not a cruel thing. It's a great thing. I want you to see the promised land, but you can't go. And then the very next verse is, so Moses, the servant of the Lord, died. According to the word of the Lord, God literally commanded his death. Listen, it's right here. According to the word of the Lord, Moses died there. And look at this verse. And God buried him in the valley. He was, I want to get this picture. He was on the mountain. He's there on the top of the mountain. He's dead. God doesn't bury him on top of the mountain. He buries him in the valley. My God picks up the body of Moses, your God, and carries him down a mountain. God carrying Moses down a mountain. Digs a hole and buries him. Is that unreal? Could you imagine God the Father doing that? This is how much he loved Moses to treat and care for him, carefully walking with him and burying him and covering him. And we get a glimpse of how Moses dies because it says, In verse 9, now Joshua, the son of Nun, was filled with the spirit of wisdom. For Moses had laid his hands on him. This is before he died, obviously. And the sons of Israel listened to him as they did with Moses. Now, verse 10, since that time, no prophet, Moses, no prophet has risen in Israel like Moses, whom the Lord knew face to face. Here's what I submit to you. Moses died the most incredible death because he got to see the face of God. In the moment when he was getting the law from heaven, God said, you can't see me. You can't handle it. You get a glimpse of my back. But in this moment, when God says, you're going to go up to the mountain and you're going to die. You know why? Because you're going to finally get to see me face to face. Moses sees the face of God and the glory and splendor of God fills Moses. We can't handle it sometimes. And then Moses is dead. Now, here is the cool thing what God does in verse 1 of Joshua. It says, Now it came after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, that the Lord spoke to Joshua, the son of Nun, saying, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now, therefore, arise, cross this Jordan, you and all these people to the land which I am giving them to the sons of Israel. Every place on which the sole of your foot treads, I have given it to you, just as I spoke to Moses. No man will be able to stand before you all the days of your life. 
No man will be able to stand before you all the days of your life. Just as I've been with Moses, I will be with you. I will not fail you or forsake you. That sounds like a new covenant principle that we discover in the old covenant, doesn't it? I will never leave you or forsake you. Be strong and courageous for you shall give this people possession of the land which I swore to their fathers to give them. Only be strong and very courageous. Listen, that word for today. Be strong and very courageous in the midst of COVID. Be strong and very courageous in the midst of lockdowns. Be strong and very courageous. Be careful to do all that the law concerns you. Do not turn from the right or to the left so that, that you may have success wherever you go. And he says it again. Have I not commanded you? Verse 9, be strong and courageous. Do not tremble or be dismayed for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Let me say what I think I want to say now. Sometimes for you to get to where you want to get, you got to let a Moses die in your life. Listen to what I'm saying. Sometimes you have to let a Moses die in your life. Now, what does that look like practically? Moses was a good man, a righteous man, a man full of faith, a man who loved God, uh, a man that God buried. We don't see God burying anyone else in the Bible. This, is, this was one of God's giants who had a lapse of judgment, didn't trust God in one of the most... Here's why it was such a big deal, because not only did he not trust God, but he called the assembly together like he was supposed to, but then he kind of declared, here's what I'm doing, and you are pathetic, and you are complaining, and bam, you don't deserve this, but bam, bam. He didn't just do it in private, he did it in public. And God says, that's not going to work. Sometimes there are good things in your life that are not great things that you have to let go to get to the great. Sometimes you're like doing this good thing. This is great. Even I'm doing things for the kingdom. This is great, but it's not completely exactly where God wants you. Maybe there's some unbelief in it or whatever. And God says, you got to lay down that good thing to get to that great thing. I didn't call you to do the good thing. I called you to do the great thing. I feel like I'm preaching, actually. It must be from what happened Friday night. I feel like I'm preaching in here. I had a good thing in California. I was the worship pastor of the church. And we were, we were, it was a large church. We were going for it. We were going for it, going for it. And one day God says, leave. It's a good thing, though. It's a good thing. I need you to leave that thing. I said, okay, maybe. Yeah. Three dreams I had. Three dreams from heaven. Bam, 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 right after the other within a period of about a month. I mean, these are like, you ever had a dream where you go, this is God? Like I had a, I had a, I had a, a show up in my dream. I had a prophet and I had an apostle show up in my dream. Literally walk into my dream and say, you have to leave. 
I got godly counsel from people who said, you're out of your mind. You can't leave a job that's well, that pays you well. Where are you going to go? There's nowhere to go. You have no money. You have no savings. Are you out of your mind? This would not be the, this is not God's will. I said, I'm, I'm telling you, I know what God told me. Now, those were the people, there's like people in your life that give you godly counsel, but then there's people in your life that you there's a few people that you totally trust, and those that little circle of about three people in my life said, you got to quit. It doesn't matter if there's no job waiting for you. God says quit. You got to quit. Don't question. I, apostles in my life. One, one is a very strong father, apostolic voice. One was my actual father. And then one was another prophetic voice, and they all said to me, you got to quit. But on the outer God, godly council was like, no, no, that doesn't look good. That doesn't look good. That doesn't look good. You got to strike that rock. You got to, you can't just, you got to do, no, you take it in your own hands. I don't think that's what God said. You got to, no, dude, do it this way. And I was led into a wilderness period. Let me tell you this. So when God leads you into the wilderness, he always provides for you. See manna. There is always provision. When you operate in presumption and then you're in the wilderness and everything's going bad, da, 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 and it's like God never told you to go there. That's why there's so many issues. When God calls you, he provides. It's just who he is. He can't not provide. He doesn't not take care of his kids. And even Joshua, when he went, man, look at the story of Joshua. There is a battle and battle, and this and that, and we got to send spies, and we got to do this, and we got, there's still stuff, but God was with him. Why? Because God called me, said, now you're the one. Moses, we couldn't have gone if Moses was still alive. Moses had to go. I'm with Moses. He's, it's, it's not bad in one sense, but he had to go so you could rise up to take your place. Let that thing that is good but not great in your life, die. And then you will see the fulfillment of the promise of God on your life. Amen. Amen. Let's stand. Bam. I'm